Hello, and welcome to Love is a Business Strategy, a podcast that brings humanity to the workplace. We're here to talk about business. We want to tackle topics that most business leaders shy away from. We believe that humanity and love should be at the center of every successful business. I'm your host, Jeff Ma. I'm a director at Softway, an agency based out of Houston that specializes in digital transformation, culture, and branding. Each episode here, we're gonna be diving into one element of business or strategy and testing our theory of love against it. And today, we're going to dive into technology. Technology is a part of every modern business and often an aspect that is approached logically and tactically. And so often it's made up of zeros and ones and really nothing more. So we wanna ask, is there room for love in something that's so mechanical? Right, we want to take that challenge on today. And joining me, as always, are some friends. We have Frank Dana. Welcome, Frank. Hello. Your question today. Oh, if you question. okay. Yeah, uh, because actually, I got these. Like, I I had help with these questions, so I have not even read them ahead of time. I'm just fantastic. assigning them randomly. If you had to delete all but three apps on your phone, Frank, which ones would you keep? Oh, uh, that's easy. So I would keep Fitbod, Spotify, <laughs> and Mario Kart. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I reject your answers. <laughs> All right, well. What did we you also, say, Chris? I said good list. That was a good list. I think that's a, a valiant um, selection. All right, well. <laughs> Can everybody since, answer this? Since Chris is here, Chris, Chris Peachy, our VP. Welcome, Chris. <laughs> Your question, when did you get your first cell phone and what kind was it? Great question. I got my first cell phone when I graduated college um, and it was a flip phone. It was not the Motorola Razor, which I upgraded oh, to. It was like, I can't even remember the brand name, but it was silver. Um, and I got it because I was going to DC to college and my parents wanted to make sure that I was um in touch with uh with them so i've had the same number since i graduated high school oh congratulations <laughs> last but mic. not last but not least we have mohammed anwar president and ceo of software hello mo hey jeff i swear i don't pick these questions what's the worst haircut you've ever had oh, what? <laughs> oh, i can tell you that story <laughs> Um, what's the worst haircut I've had? I've had the same haircut all my life growing up, so I don't which, even remember. Which makes it I've your worst haircut. A... It's, it's your best and worst haircut. There wow. you go. You got my answer. Every haircut. I, I beg to differ. There was a situation <laughs> about situation a year ago. Unpack that situation, please. Uh, you went to a new hairstylist, I believe. Oh, that one. And, and I, I had got, forgotten it and no, you brought head. it back up. Because <laughs> you had to go back and get it fixed. And, like you had this, um, I think you called it like a Frank haircut. Because it was like, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was um, not your usual. <laughs> yeah, it was not my usual. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Okay. We'll have to share pictures in the show notes later, hopefully. Uh but you, you got off the chair and you didn't know that you had a bad haircut. Your family had to tell you you had a bad haircut and sent you back to the barbershop. You don't remember Because this? I was too nice to <laughs> tell the salon person she did a bad job. I didn't want to tell her that. I love so that the bad haircut is also being connected to my haircut 
So thank you all so much. Let's continue. Yeah, Chris, Chris, is, Chris is just attacking everybody at the same time. Wonderful. I'm guilty as charged. That's my a blessing and a curse. Well, with, with that, let's dive in. Let's dive into technology. So guys, we started as a technology company many, many years ago, and it's still at the center of our business, right? But at one point, we set our mission, our new company mission to be to bring humanity back to the workplace, something we passionately believe in to this day. Now, I remember back when we were making that transition, we actually worked to understand what the connection might be between humanity and technology in the workplace. And so we, we actually interviewed some developers and technologists to try to uncover this. Chris, I remember you were a, a big part of that research. What did we find? Yeah, I know it was a really interesting exercise because our team was really trying to connect our efforts to a bigger vision. And so I just asked them to go around the table between our US and India um, tech leadership and just said, like, what got you into this whole technology game? <laughs> right. And the way that they told those stories, it really showed that there is sort of a love behind the reasons why our tech team and even any technologist really might have explored or, you know, really honed in on, on their interest in technology. And we heard stories like, hey, I actually learned that I could serve others by learning how to code, right? Um, one of our tech leads would go around and QA everybody else's work because he was so good at it. And he got so much joy out of that and people appreciated him and saw him in a different light. And so that spurred his interest to want to continue to serve. And so now he's you know, working at Software doing that for our clients. We had another who said that you know he had such high, um, or people around him and his family had high hopes and expectations for him when he was going off to college. Um, and he got to college and was like bombing all of his classes except for technology. Uh, and from that, he said like technology really, really saved my, you know, ASS. And so it's in that that I try and save someone else's. Right. So you start hearing these stories of service. We had someone say that, you know, I was working on something and I, I was so new at technology, but it still worked. My code was bad, but it still worked. And he learned that, wow, technology is truly forgiving. And there's there's something about having something that will forgive me for the things that I don't know yet, for the things that I don't do well yet. Um, and to be able to bring that to a client's environment or to you know others in the world um, is remarkable. And so you start hearing all of these sort of really human oriented stories that were sort of drivers for people coming into the tech space and becoming master developers and helping lead teams of developers and engineers who are trying to do the same thing in their own sort of capacity. Very nice. So, you know, I remember what came out of all of that mm -hmm. was this term humanizing tech. We, it became kind of this, the MO we had, um, and we still use that to the, to this day. And it was birthed out of that, that research and that understanding, but what is like to me? We use it so much that I I actually want this question answered, Muhammad. What what does humanizing technology really mean? Why do we use that? Sure. So when we were taking this research and the insights that we found, and we were trying to figure out how how does this all ladder up to our vision, and uh, we were able to come up with the 
connection that number one, experiences shape people and technology shapes experiences. So hence us as technologists, we have the ability to shape those human experiences. And from there, we had that aha moment that, you know, we, we are all about humanizing technology and we have like several projects since and before that, that we operated at the capacity of thinking of humans around all of the solutions that we were producing for our customers mm-hmm. and their human conditions that, you know, we, we realized that our core differentiator is that we look at technology from the lens of humanity and we are humanizing technology. What do you and mean by, we, what do you mean by human conditions? Can you elaborate human conditions in your definition? Sure. Human conditions are, you know, you must have heard of a user experience, which is a, how is the user interacting with the technology and what, you know, how easy is it, it is and what they get out of it. Mm-hmm. But human conditions is even beyond that. It's not just the user interacting with the technology. It's about how we take into consideration the human conditions that exist in the environment that they may be uh, using the technology. For example, uh, you know, we had this opportunity to build an application for an HVAC manufacturer for their contractors. Um, And these contractors had to go to homes or businesses and climb up into the attics um, of these buildings and, you know, and being in Houston or southern part of the country it is extremely hot and humid in the Mm -hmm. attics Mm -hmm. and these contractors were having to go into the heat and operate and diagnose the problems and issues with with the hvac units and there were even instances at times that the contractors would get dehydrated and faint and it became a a life-threatening issue Um, and so we were tasked with coming up with a solution that allows us to come up with technology that could help with that human condition. The human condition is basically that physical, physiological environment and right. the needs that the human has. And how can we build technology to help with that? And so the solution we came up with was to make connected devices from the HVAC um, to a tablet application where the contractor now can drive up to the uh, driveway of the home and connect with the Bluetooth device without having to step into the attic and diagnose the problems with the air conditioning unit and uh, not have the risk of going into this hot and humid environment, which could lead to dehydration and problems for the, for the, for the human at the other end of that technology. So that's like, an, like a good example of human conditions. And if you look at today, our conditions in this COVID-19 crisis, it has changed all of our human conditions. Yeah. We are required to be socially distant. We are working from home. And while we're working from home, our kids are at home. <laughs> and we're having to manage homeschooling plus work plus cooking a meal and all of it together, right? That has changed how we are living in our human conditions. Now, has the technology been adapted to those human conditions? Probably yeah. not, because when they were built, they were built for different environments. I, I actually, yeah. I mean, you mentioned that, and you, you guys all know you're in meetings with me all the time. I basically have two children, like on top of my my body while I'm having meetings. They're <laughs> clinging on to my neck, yep. um, and I find myself, you know, that's a great point. I find myself really enjoying some of those small quality of life improvements to the tools I use. Right, like whether it's just like 
like the space bar on zoom that lets me un unmute like with with a one touch or or little things even things that like catch my mistakes that i normally don't care as much about or notice I, i'm more careless as a as working as somebody um with two children literally in my in my space um and so that's it's interesting because you know there is user experience and then there's like things that i find useful in my life not just how easy a, a specific thing is to use um, yeah. Does anyone does anyone else have any examples? I guess they can think of for humanizing tech. I mean, yeah. I I actually have one that is kind of similar to what you were talking about, Mohammed. It's you know we were contacted by a wheelchair manufacturer because what they were struggling with was the fact that when someone would contact them for a wheelchair repair, they would send out a technician, but it would take an average of two days for that technician to arrive to do whatever repairs were necessary for this, this wheelchair. So imagine the person who's using the wheelchair having to wait for around two days to have someone arrive to help fix this electric wheelchair. Turns out that 80% of the time, it was a settings issue, not a mechanical issue. So we ended up helping to create an app and, and link it to a device that could remotely connect to it. And a majority of those repairs became an immediate fix versus having to wait for two days. So I think that's just another example, kind of like what Muhammad was referring to uh, with the contractors not having to go into the attics, but from the other perspective as well of the end user not having to wait for two days for their wheelchair to be repaired. And most of those things happening remotely and instantaneously, getting that mm -hmm. person literally mobility back in their life as, as quickly as possible. Yeah. And, and again, relevant to COVID-19, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like not having to come personally service a yeah. wheelchair can, social can save lives, can save lives in another way. Exactly. And, uh, another example, just uh, uh, taking it from where Frank left off. Sure. We had another application that we worked. I'm sure you guys remember where we built a, a internet uh, connected device tied to an app for physical therapy. So there are patients who might be going through different physical therapy uh, procedures and they have a lot of homework to do that they have to do at home on their own to keep practicing before their next visit with the physical therapist or the doctor. And, you know, a lot of the time, the motivation to be able to uh, get your physical therapy exercises done, is not easy. I mean, we, like for me, sometimes going to the gym and just working out is hard. And imagine you trying to build up the motivation to try and work out, um, you know, for, from a physical therapy standpoint. So we took those human conditions into place and tried to gamify the physical therapy experience. So we created games that was connected to the to the to the device that latched onto your body to see the muscle intensity and how you're flexing and moving parts of the body that would tie back to a game and you were we were able to gamify the physical therapy exercise but not only did we leave it there we also were tracking data that was being fed back to the physical therapist to number one know if they are actually indeed um, doing their physical therapy at home and what kind of improvements are they noticing and witnessing from this device and um and today, in today's COVID-19 world, it's actually very, very applicable because with social distancing, you know, with home health and, you know, proximity of people coming together to even help do this physical therapy, you can limit the, those interactions and still be able to remotely help manage 
the patient's um, you know physical therapy activities and monitor it. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting that. Sorry, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, and I think the these current times are also showing that. I think technology systems that might have failed in the past are now even more relevant and maybe they were just ahead of their time. So when you think about all these major hotel chains that were a year or two ago trying to investigate putting in voice activated systems into the hotel rooms that guests would use, all those pilots failed because guests didn't really want to sort of communicate or connect their own um, IDs to some of these hotel uh, systems. But now, Nobody wants to touch anything, let alone a hotel remote, <laughs> right? Um, and so I'm sure a lot of those sort of shelved and or halted projects are going to be even more relevant where, you know, the human conditions around travel now are going to look totally different than three months ago. And if, um, you know, directors of innovation or technologists are looking at these human conditions, they might start seeing that, hey, there's an opportunity to revive things that were sort of passed over or to innovate completely on new things and bring technology solutions to the fact that people don't want to touch each other or touch devices or touch, you know, services that might have, you know, um, COVID or any other virus. Yeah, I know, you know, even outside of COVID, the example that pops in my head for me personally was the tool that we use in-house for project planning, which has a very a storied history, as you all know. Yeah. Um, love, love it or hate it, it's been um, part of our journey here. But there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of thought and and good logic put into that tool, right? Like it, it helped manage all of our timelines and our, our budgets. And it was a very robust tool we built custom for our own internal flow. But, um, it did not, for the longest time, it did not factor in the kind of pressures and stresses that the people who had to use it um, would have to would have to kind of pair it with, right? So it, it, it was like this perfect logical tool that ended up not performing to the level that we would have hoped because, you know, I'm just showing the flip side of not humanizing tech, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's where when you don't factor in not just UX, but also just how it fits into people's lives. Um, there's 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 potential for big misses there. Yeah, I totally agree. We had an experience um, a couple of years ago with a client who, to that point around not humanizing tech, they were in a situation where it was the middle managers and the employees were all sort of under this pretense that their jobs were fine, their work was fine, their department was fine. And the senior most leader was like ringing the alarm saying like, it's not fine, it's not fine. Um, And so she asked us to come in and help and we did some homework uh, to try and understand from the middle management perspective what was going on. And they were flat out like, I don't know why I'm talking to you. (laughs) I don't know what this is about. Like, we're fine, everything is good. And um, the middle manager's like, let our customers, our internal customers tell you what the issues were. So we set up these workshops where we had the customer as well as this team of middle managers in the same room. And the customers were sharing their stories about how interacting with that department and their technology systems meant that samples were getting deleted because they processed a lot of like samples for, you know, equations and stuff. This is like a a research group. So they're very technical and scientific. 
but customer samples were getting deleted and nobody would find out until it was deleted, <laughs> right? Um, small little hiccups were happening, no follow-ups, no idea of where things were standing when it came to that, that department's uh, processes. And customers were starting to Google competitors outside of the organization to get the same thing that was being offered in the organization. And middle managers had no idea that that was happening, wow. right? So to them, everything was fine, but they had set up these systems and processes or lack thereof and technology that was actually sort of bringing them into obsolescence. And only the senior most leader could see it, right? And so luckily we were able to come in and build a better tool and a better system that allowed this group to have a little bit more consideration for what the customer needed um, and allowed the customer to navigate the team a whole lot better in their processes and all the things they truly offered. And it's now a tool that other groups inside of this large company are trying to copy or replicate because it's so effective in trying to help internal customers know how to work with their peers and their brother and sister organizations within the same company versus go to Dr. Google and get someone outside the organization and pay them for the same service. So, yeah. Wow. So yeah, and I would say, sorry. No, go ahead. I, I was going to say, Jeff. So ultimately, this this uh, human conditions scenario, you know, usually is not considered in technology solutions. It's uh, that this the technology solutions are usually dictated by the process or the workflow, um, mm -hmm. and you know, um, certain behaviors of lack of trust. You might put in a technology solution to compensate for lack of trust. And if you go down that path, instead of going from a lens of empathy to the users and the beneficiaries of this technology or this technology solution, you are going to miss the boat in really solving the problems that's going to make the lives of the humans at the end of this technology better. It's not yeah. just the users, it's even the people who have to maintain this technology, monitor the technology or the ultimate beneficiaries of who have to inherit this technology and how they're going to have to maintain it yeah. um, and manage it. And if we don't take all of those things into consideration, you could be solving one problem only to create other problems for the humans at the end of the day. So going beyond user experience, user experience yeah. is a very common um, practice and all technology companies uh, use it and apply it. But we're talking about looking at it even more holistically yeah. and thinking about all of the human aspects down to, you know, who's even requesting this solution? Why are they requesting it? Who's paying for it? And what is their, how is this going to help them? Going into the minds and feelings and understanding their situations to come up with a, uh, a solution that's over-encompassing and solving from the human lens is what makes our approach unique and different. Yeah. I think, I think, tell me if this is accurate. I like to think of it as like a user experience might be like a, a kind of ID system to enter a door. Like you use a fingerprint to enter a door and the user experience can be great. You know, you just put your finger on it and it, 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 it lets you in. But if what it's used for or the problem it's used to solve is like, hey, you're actually tracking everybody's in and out time through this and making sure they're coming to work on time and being big brother on how, you know, if you apply technology to that purpose, 
then you miss out on a whole lot. Like there's other ways to solve that problem other than a very user experience friendly, you know, application, because that's a, it's a different problem to think about. And you got to think about all the people in that equation and what other ways are there to approach that. Is that absolutely no, that is precisely, uh, what we're talking about. That's a very great example. So, you know, they're trying to solve a root cause by treating the symptom, by using technology with the great user experience, hoping that people are going to use it mm -hmm. because it's got such a great user experience, but really they're not taking into consideration that how does this make the people feel around being monitored, around the trust that the organization may have had with them, that they're tracking through biometric systems, the in and out of the people and using that against them or using it for performance reviews, right? That doesn't create a psychologically safe environment. And how does that impact the productivity of the employees at that work location? Yeah, we, we, we want to take all of that into equation. We still want to leverage technology to solve whatever it is that problem they're trying to solve, but without considering the human emotions and having that empathy to the beneficiaries and the users and what they're trying to accomplish, you're really just, you know, uh, treating the symptom and it's, it's a band-aid approach that won't really solve your or cure the problem you're trying to solve. Mm -hmm. So Frank, let's, let's tie it back to love. If you don't mind what, what people listening here, what's the takeaway for them? What can they do or what should they be yeah. doing with this information? Cause we're just sharing, we're sharing our opinions sure. and outlook. What, what can they take away? So Muhammad, Muhammad dropped the E-bomb earlier and, and basically the E-bomb e and to, to me and to, to all of us at Softway, it's empathy. So role, like the role of love here is this empathetic approach to technology and empathy is simply the ability to understand and share the feelings of one another. Like you've heard the phrase, walk a mile in someone's shoes, right? For us, empathy allows technologists to build products and services with the human condition in mind. Studies have shown that everyone from lifeguards to farmers have actually shown an increased productivity after reading stories about how their particular work helps people. If you think about a farmer, for example, that individual may not see the end user of their product, the humans that are consuming the food they're making. But once they recognize and have empathy for the individuals that are, that are eating their foods, that changes the approach in terms of how they produce and why they produce the foods they produce. So when a technologist has real empathy into the, into the conditions of the human benefiting from the tech they're building, it changes everything. And what we've seen too, is that sometimes even a face is enough. So radiologists interpret test results with greater detail when their photographs of patients are included in their case files. This is a real thing. And yeah. cooks make tastier food when they can see their customers. So just the human face connecting to you and me creates an amount of empathy that helps someone perform better. So when you take the human condition into consideration and you recognize that there's a, there's a bigger story behind what you were receiving in this, this you know, brief to create this content, this thing, and you go and search for what that is, it, it adds more meaning to it. And for us personally at Softway, it, empathy makes hard work effective. It turns coworkers into friends, and for us, it turns people into family, and and it turns clients into partners. And we've seen that, and we're talking about these relationships that we've had uh, with our own internal teams building products for ourselves, as well as our client partners, 
building things for them that truly make a difference. So like to sum it all up, that's why love translated as empathy is our technology strategy. Yeah. I would also like to just add that Jeff um, to what Frank's stating, when you're able to also build technology that's forgiving, mm. that's also adding a layer of love, right? And so it, it, it fits really well with love as a tech strategy. And at the end of the day, as much as humans build technology, technology can build humanity. And so that's where we, I see the connection uh, laddering up to what Frank just mentioned. Yeah, and one of the takeaways I'm hearing from this conversation is that like we we have this classic like path we'll follow where we have a problem statement and our solution might be complex and great, but it's usually very direct. It's like here's a problem, here's a tool to fix it. Here's a problem, here's some technology to apply. Um, right. And even though we can put a lot of thought into that and make it very robust, the ask is to think of like zoom out a little bit, look at the the all the equations of who all is involved, what kind of lives are touching this and what kind of lives does this touch and adding those, like, I guess our, our listeners can look at the business they're in right now and look at the strategies they're employing and, and the technology that they're applying to their internal work, to their, to their customers, to anything they're doing, because everyone's working around problem statements, right? We're all saying, here's a problem we want to solve. But how often are we saying, what are the problems that are sitting just tangent to those problems? What are the problems that exist or could arise from us trying to solve it this way? And where, and how, do, how, do, how are people truly affected in their lives and in the way they, they use these things? I think that's a great question pe people can go and ask themselves right now and see if there's anything that comes up. All right, so great talk as always, fun hanging out. And um, to the listeners, thank you for joining us. We're we're posting new episodes every Friday. And also if there's any topics that you would love to hear us cover or want to, want to have us discuss, let us know softway.com slash labs, L A A B S. And, you know, we're really looking forward to that feedback and, 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 and just continue that conversation with everyone. Um, so hope you guys enjoyed this topic on technology. I'm, I'm sure we'll be back. Uh, technology is a big part of what we do. So we have a lot to say about it. Um, so tune in next week and thank you guys all very much.